Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Giovanna Fletcher is an author, actress and presenter. She has published books including Happy Mom, Happy Baby and starred in the stage play 2.22, A Ghost Story. Her podcast Happy Mum, Happy Baby has over 12 million listens and she's interviewed people including the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton. Today I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. Well, hello, Giovanna. Can I just say, Giovanna is the greatest name in the world. You must feel really chuffed to have such a great name. Uh, no, because people really stress out about saying it. Because really? uh, Yeah, because they see Quite it phonetic. Well, it is, but I say Giovanna, so I put oh, the Oh, sorry, in it. see, I said no, it no, no, wrong. No, 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 But, I mean, my TV name has become Giovanna. Giovanna. Uh, which is just interesting to me. So, I mean, I, I've, I've known ever since I was a kid to just say yes to anything. I do really like my name. I um, I shorten it down to G a lot, though. Just G. because I see that people c- kind of relax when they're like, I can say G, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Italian? Yeah, my dad's Italian. There you yeah, go. he came over when he was 19, which I was thinking about last night. It was something like um, 47 years ago. Um, because I've got a, a suitcase in my office, um, which is one of two suitcases that Dad came over with. Uh, and I kid you not, one suitcase had his clothes in, the other one had pasta and tomato sauce. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Couldn't get more Italian than that. I mean, other than a horse's head, that is the... Uh, <laughs> that is... Almost certainly a dreadful slight that I've just made against all the people. I I mean, as far as I know, he's never had uh, an Italian head, uh, a horse head anywhere near him, but I don't know. (laughs) I I just recently watched The Godfather and and it's the 50th anniversary, or the 60th anniversary of The Godfather this year. And my son is uh, an absolute Francis Ford Coppola, um, or Coppola, as he says, like an absolute fanatic. So really? I'm, I'm the, the Godfather is ever present in my uh, in, in my family. How old is life. your son? How long do I have to wait until I can do that with my kids? He's seventeen. Oh yeah, quite a while. Uh, there's a few great moments of motherhood yeah. uh, that I can mark along the way, and the first one was when they would sit through any feature-length film. That was like a big tick. Yeah. And the second was when they would sit through a feature-length film that you actually want. To watch. <laughs> and... Well, announced to the older two are watching Marvel, uh, and Tom's just got them onto Star Wars, which they all really, really love. Yeah. Uh, and then I think on Netflix at the moment there's the Adam Project, which apparently is all the '80s films you've ever loved, everything we grew up with. Um, it's kind of it's influenced by that, and we think we're going to try it with our kids on Friday because yeah, basically every it's... Friday night it's our family movie night. It is very, very good when that happens. My yeah. my younger son doesn't like many of the films that my older son. 
uh, watches. I mean, he's 13. He just has different taste. It's not yeah. that, you know, it's more that me and my older son, we watch all of the Oscars films together, the ones that are oh. best picture. And we have done for about four years. Yeah. And uh, talking of Italians, I tell you what, the uh, the one I'm, the, I'm never, ever going to get the time back of watching, oh, what is that? The one that they remade and they tried to make Robert De Niro not look old. The Irishman. Oh, Ooh, really? Not that's good. five hours of my life I'm never getting back. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what you'd love, actually, you two. There's um, a series that The Hollywood Reporter do every year. It's like Oscars roundtables. So everyone oh, that's yeah. up for an acting award, they all talk. They all talk to each other. Everyone that's up for director, they talk with this um, journalist. And it's really insightful. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to definitely watch that yeah. with him. I'll, I'll do that on our Friday night telewatching. Yeah. It's um, on YouTube. It's brilliant. I'm not going to recommend the dog one from this year. That was rubbish. I was it? I attempted to watch it three times. Oh, no. Coda won the best film, and I've got to say, it was the one I enjoyed the most. Um, Nightmare Alley, brilliant, would recommend. So, you know, I feel really like I've won at parenting that my... And my kids are, like, the music that they like and the films that they like... They like David Bowie and oh, nice. like they've got good taste and yeah. they like want to watch Bill and Ted's and Labyrinth. And, <laughs> uh, I feel like we've properly indoctrinated them suitably. Uh, You've so done that, a great job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can't write for shit and they're shit at school, but on a Friday night, culture is not unpleasant for me to uh, experience. So that's as long as it's good for me, I don't care about their future. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> sort of how I feel. Um, so, um, this is all about letter writing. Are you much of a letter writer? Obviously, you're a writer. Yeah, I'm a writer and I am a letter writer. Um, I actually wrote a book called Letters on Motherhood a little while ago, which was a second non fiction on motherhood that I wrote. Um, and the reason for that is because when I was pregnant with my first child, I had this notebook. Uh, so, each child now has one. Um, but I wrote a letter to them every night when they're in my tummy. So me and Tom took it in turns just to kind of say, you know, what we've been up to, what movement there's been, like what's been happening with my body, um, you know, who we've told, like little bits like that. Just to, And I think no, it was right. a way of connecting with the baby as well because my first, um, my first pregnancy ended uh, in a loss and quite early on. And I think to, to, to keep me connected, to keep me feeling calm, it was just a nice way to to end the day uh, and a nice way to focus on everything. Um, so off the back of that, that's when I kind of wrote the book. But I, I just love letter writing. I hate it when someone sends me a birthday card or a Christmas card and it just says, sometimes not even your name. Yeah, just their name. From Lynn and Dave. <laughs> I don't care, Lynn and Dave. You've given me no info. You've not given me anything. No extra love. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm not ever going to put it out. I do put it out. But, you know, it's just, it just feels like a waste. So on birthdays and stuff, I do, um, I, uh, I do write a complete, you know, letter in, in a card. Because um, I want, I think it's that time to let that person know that you're really thinking of them and that you yeah. care. I'd rather a really beautiful card that someone's taken time to write than a gift. To me, oh. their thoughts written down is a bigger gift than... As long as they're saying nice things, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I th it, this is a dying art in the Christmas card, you know, like the sort of round-robin letter that, yeah. you know, like people are like, you know, Susie's done a ballet recital mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, that does seem to be a uh, dying art. Although we got one once... I'm not going to lie... It wasn't for us. It was for the people who previously lived in our house. Uh, <laughs> I love we opened that. It. You had to open it. There might be money in a card. <laughs> I am no fool. I love that so uh, much. <laughs> there might be money in a card. Um, I'll be totally honest. Um, it's almost certainly illegal, but I'm, I'm admitting I'm it. Sure I have no forwarding address. They've left many years previously. Well. Um, and so I opened this Christmas card and it had a round robin letter in it. That was the most depressing letter I'd ever read. It literally, in one of the people had got Kreutzschelt-Jakoff's disease, like they'd got mad cow disease. Like, oh my like gosh. everybody was like, well, Lynn's got throat cancer and June's got Kreutzschelt-Jakoff's oh. disease. And it was just like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
It was better than the money. It's made an excellent anecdote for the rest of the world. Has it? Have you framed it? it I've definitely still got it somewhere. Have you? Yeah, definitely. It's so funny. It cheered me right up. Me and Tom both have uncles. So each one of us has an uncle who does a round-robin letter. So my uncle... He's ex-military, so he, uh, he's, it's all very factual. And he tells us about his grandsons and what they're doing football-wise. And then Tom's um, uncle lives in the Bahamas. Uh, yeah, I think he, I, I believe that when he was at uni, him and a few of his mates decided to buy a private island when it was quite cheap. <laughs> and he now lives on this island and he's the main doctor for like all the cruise ships and stuff that come in. If anyone's sick, he goes out and... Uh, and sorts it all out. So his oh his gosh. his round robin letters at Christmas are always, um, you know, I wish I was there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just nice pictures of them in the sea, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a dying art. Maybe we, our generation, we should bring it back the round robin letter. Uh, but everybody just puts everything that's going on in their lives on social media now. So you know, it'd just be like, see this link. Yeah. Here are all the tweets. Yeah, I didn't share it online the other day, but I did have a snack around three o'clock. It was a knob. It's like trying to find facts that you haven't shared. <laughs> what the public don't know. <laughs> it's a horrible thing, though, actually, when someone says to you, tell us something we don't know about yourself. I'm, I'm running out of facts. I'm like, I don't know. Just make up lies. I was really yeah. big in Japan in the 80s. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I just like, you know, frequently. If I'm ever called on to say something interesting about myself in an icebreaker, it, every single time I've lied. Have without you? question, without question, <laughs> and there's plenty of interesting things I could say about myself. But I just, I, you know, the forced nature of it, I just think I'm just going to totally blag. You know, I'm going to just make up some totally random facts about, you know, I invented the retractable measuring tape. That's like, it. <laughs> like, is it? What's that um, thing that Elisa Kudrow said? Is it um, uh, something in Michelle? Romeo and Michelle. Yeah, Romeo she Ro- she writes out like she invented the glue. On, yeah. <laughs> on, is uh, it post-it notes? Post-it. <laughs> exactly that perfect I like that is that. a perfect example so do you have any really special letters that you've kept i mean i keep i mean these books sound amazing and your children yeah. will read them yeah and love them um, i've got to say by the time we got to the third child though um you know his his book is a little bit thinner yeah, because well. we had two other kids to look after and we're quite knackered by the time he got to bed um i'm the fourth child there's no pictures oh, of me nothing. <laughs> and you turned out okay yes yeah. we're all right to be honest it made me resilient there we go that's what max is gonna the have the others resilience. are a bit needy oh yeah <laughs> who wants needy kids um but i keep i keep far too much i keep all christmas cards even if they just say from because i just think i'm quite morbid actually i think what if they die or in 50 years, I'll be able to look back and go, oh, that was that person's handwriting when they oh, wrote that's true. Love, Lynn and Dave and nothing else. You know? yeah. I mean, I thought you were suggesting that by you keeping them, like it's some sort of Ouija board, that you were keeping them alive somehow. <laughs> if you throw away their cards, that person will immediately perish. <laughs> that isn't how it works. No, it's not, is it? But I do. I think that's why I really would love people to write more in their cards yeah. because I feel like it's it's also a, a moment in time like this is this Christmas and this is how I'm feeling right now and this is what I want to say to you right now um so it is a shame I mean I've got a whole box worth of cards of uh, you know Christmas cards birthday cards now I've got three kids I have to keep all of their cards oh. of friends that won't be in their class in 10 years they won't even know the three-year-old isn't gonna know who Susan was <laughs> you know when Not he's 18 He's not, but it's hard, isn't it? Where do you draw the line? Where, when I mean, do you... <laughs> I draw it by throwing everything away. Uh, oh, really? And actually, I'm much more sentimental than my husband, who I often uh, think he, he was suggesting that he was going to write a Marie Kondo-style b- book, but for, for, for men called Fuck It in the Skip. <laughs> I love a skip. Past this, past this window, there's a big old skip outside. There's nothing better than a skip on your drive. Literally, <laughs> when my new neighbours moved in, they uh, they they asked the people who were they were buying the house off. They said, "Is it a HMO next door, a house of multiple occupation?" And they were like, no, the MP lives there. And uh, she was like, oh, why, why did you think that's because it's always permanently got a skip? Because my husband <laughs> never doesn't have a skip on the drive. Love a skip. It's so good. I love it. 
Just it that is. thing that you don't have to wrestle. At the moment, I'm not having to wrestle with my recycling to put it all into one bin. Yeah. I'm just like chuck it on the skip. <laughs> Whack it on the skip. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, and the neighbours get really chuffed. They're like, oh, can we pop some stuff in your skip? You're like, yeah. You go oh, for I it, had my that friend. Yesterday, the neighbour knocked. Yeah. Yeah. Brings communities together, a skip. <laughs> I can remember, though, in our old house, our skip was outside, and I went to put something in it the next day and realised that someone had taken something out. Now, we lived down a private road with a gate. Oh, <laughs> someone well, had been down. That is worrying. They'd taken a hula hoop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, round my way, the amount of skip diving that goes on is huge, but I don't I don't live in a, behind a gate. That would be worrying. <laughs> but I, I, at least things aren't, you know, they say about one man's rubbish is another Trash is another man's treasure. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you have any letters from anyone like the Queen or... Um, we uh, Nelson once... Mandela. Some people on no. this podcast have had letters from Nelson Mandela. I once had a Christmas card from Prince Charles because I am an ambassador uh, for the Prince's Trust, but it was That's a signature. Good. It is. It was one of those like uh, he hadn't messages. written about how his kids were doing that year. No, no, nothing <laughs> like that. No details. Um, Elton John has once sent Tom a Christmas card. That was I pretty mean, good. This is impressive. Yeah, but we've moved now. Now we haven't sent them a forwarding address. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so no, those those two. Um, I guess those are great letters. Yeah. Well, oh, great yeah. cards, both yeah. Christmas based. Did they? I bet. I mean, I bet Prince Charles. I mean, he must have teams of people picking them for him. I imagine Elton John's probably got that. Were they? Were they good quality cards? They weren't Amazing. like the ones off the market. No, they weren't. They were. I can remember Elton's being really thick and sturdy. Yeah. And Prince Charles's was of, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was a beautiful piece of scenery. You yeah. know, it was a lovely landscape. Yeah, uh, we in Parliament every year you get given sort of six cards that you can like buy from Parliament that are like mm. snowy scenes of the Thames or of, um, <laughs> of Parliament of old, like olden day Parliament. Um, and I imagine he's got all the class, yeah. Prince Charles, of having a similar style card. Mm-hmm. I just go Poundland. Um, but... I, I actually, so I, I see who, uh, what charities are doing cards. The people I really want to write something to, I'll buy cards for them. And then everyone else, I'm like, I've done a donation. I've saved my time. I've saved your time of opening time. a card, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I do I it that way. that's better. Yeah, yeah, that is better. I often find cards that I've written and haven't sent and then think I'll just send it the next year and just hope that <laughs> the thing that I wrote in it, because I'm not, I'm not a linen Dave, I write stuff, um, <laughs> I, that wasn't really year specific uh, so it's like could say anything could it could be from 2007 this card for all i know it's been in what? the drawer i wonder if that trick of like heating it up steaming it open would work oh it definitely works Does have you it? never steamed open a letter no i don't think i have i've seen it oh. in so many films but oh, i never God, actually... I've steamed open a letter it works have you, you can tell it's happened but uh, okay. i mean i am making myself sound like a criminal <laughs> here steamed open letters <laughs> I've opened, I've lied when people have asked me interesting things about myself. I'm not painting myself in a very good way. Especially, I write loads of books about like being honest. That I has think turned it's out not But to you be are being honest and really relatable because we all do these things. <laughs> I haven't steamed a letter. I've, have you never steamed a stamp off a letter because it had oh, yeah, no smart on it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But now go. they're stickers. They're even better. I know, yeah. Even, it's, You've it's, not got to, you know, work with someone else's, you know, dried saliva. No, no it's it's better, yeah, yeah, you're right, it is better. I often like to buy stamps. This is how to beat inflation. In the, in the cost of living crisis, here's my inflation beating... Uh, yeah. Uh, buy a load of stamps, right? And they are, will always be worth the amount of a first-class stamp. Yes. It doesn't matter, like, five years later, you can still put that stamp on it, and you will have saved yourself, you know, 20 pence. Well, yeah, but over always time, you save yourself a lot. Mm-hmm. This is the only way you can actually beat inflation, uh, as far <laughs> as I stamps. can tell. I've mentioned it to the old Bank of England. Uh, <laughs> the old well, chief it was of the a Bank of, of England when they brought in the large stamps. The large stamps was oh, annoying. Oh, that was terribly annoying yeah. when you had to put like the big letter ones on. That's not cricket, is it? That did no. feel like they'd come across the ruse of the people trying to beat inflation. Too many people sending A4. No yeah. A4 cards anymore. You're going to no. pay a little extra. <laughs> Fold it. Fold everything you send in now, people. Don't get struck with a big letter tax. Um, 
This is these are the important issues. My son sent a card to somebody recently. I think it was probably the first time he'd ever done it, and he didn't put a stamp on it, and they had to go and get it from the post office because he don't think he even knew what the concept of a stamp. Was. That's so annoying as well because you're not even paying for the stamp; you're paying the extra pound yes. to, to to process it. And it's never as exciting as you thought it was going to be. It's never. Just a thank you card. From the <laughs> board. You sent a ten or two because you remember just... that it was alive. <laughs> And it just says, from Len and Dave. That's it. Yeah, just exactly. <laughs> it's so disappointing. The worst case of this I've ever seen was when you're um, seeking uh, people to vote for you, the postal votes go out before the general election or the local election, any election. And so you send through the post letters because people who have postal votes, you know, it's not like you can just deliver it because there's like three on one street, eight on another. Like you have to send it through the post. And um, we uh, we did it once and loads of them hadn't gone. And it's just like a, you're getting a postal vote, will you vote for me? Yeah. Um, and loads of them had not gone through the, no. the machine properly. And so had gone you out. For me? I've just paid, you've just paid a you've block You've just walked to the post it. office, <laughs> paid an extra pound. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember? That's like the opposite oh of good campaigning. Oh my gosh. It's literally did the worst thing Did you do this? Or did this happen to someone else? No, it happened to a local um, um, councillor in my area, in my constituency. I bet that gets like, passed around so much. Oh, God. it's that's, That is like, you know, a cautionary tale. Yeah. Oh, dreadful. Dreadful. So when you send that out... Sorry. <laughs> when like... you, do you know... Does that only go to people who are doing postal votes then? Yeah. You know, who pe- you know the people who have postal votes. Why don't you send it to everyone who doesn't do postal votes? Um, but you do, but you don't oh. do it on the day the postal vote lands. Oh, so OK, so you do they it They get earlier. their vote and they get a letter from you as well. Right, right, right. So that they go, sense. oh, yes, I remember I meant to vote for Jess Phillips. I mean, everybody does this. They get one from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a secret in political circles, this. <laughs> no, um, I know that. <laughs> so, so, like, you know, but it's me, slightly pointless. <laughs> um, but they definitely don't like it if they have to pay £1.41. No. <laughs> They just switch sides just purely because of that. Almost certainly Labour votes have been lost in the the great city of Birmingham (laughs) because of this reason. I mean, amongst other reasons, but I put it all down to that postal vote. I I would too. It's nothing to do with anything else other than the post. Brexit, Jeremy Corbyn, none of that can compete with somebody having to pay £1.41. It's just a generic reprinted thing with their name on it. But that would stick. That would stick. You know, and, I, and although that's got something that's going around with you guys, and you know, the cautionary tale, can you imagine everyone down the pub talking about it? Exactly. You never guess what? I had to go to the bloody post office. That bloody Jess Phillips charged me £1.41. Imagine what they're going to make us pay for when... <laughs> exactly. This will be the taxes. And you can't pay it back. Because maybe you could, after the election, you could make the arrangement because you can't give money out to people during the election because it's treating the electorate, um, and which is illegal. Um, and, I, and I actually had the police called on me for treating the electorate because I gave out some food bank vouchers on election no. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people didn't even vote. I mean, like, I mean, but they were hungry, so I gave them food bank vouchers and they, the police were called on me. Um, and they actually investigated it. They found, obviously, no. wrongdoing. But also, you, in an election, you can only spend a certain amount of money and it's not very much. And so you you live within that limit really tightly. Mm-hmm. So you then can't go and pay the extra pound they've paid uh, if it's like like hundreds of people. Well, maybe so, if the, maybe this is actually a really good ploy of saving money in the budget by making people pay for the post yeah, you're going to send them. Exactly. <laughs> why are we over, why, the... why have we got so much money left in the kitty? Well, <laughs> well, I didn't bother to pay for any of the postage. <laughs> Right then, moving on to your letters now okay. that we've gone through the terrible spiralling trouble of political campaigning. <laughs> I love it though, I'm learning stuff, I'm learning, there you I go. love it's it. A, it's an I'm going to tell it all quirk. wrong when I go to dinner after this. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting quirk. So, uh, I asked you to think of three different people, so who would your first person be? And that is somebody who means the world to you that you would write a letter to. Um, so I, I thought long and hard and I, I originally thought maybe my husband, maybe my kids. And I thought a lot of people probably do that. Uh, so I have gone for my best friend, Katie. Um, so we first met at Rose Bruford Drama School when we were both 18. And I can remember the first day seeing her across the courtyard 
Um, she had like her, her brown hair and the tips of her hair were dyed a different colour. And um, she, you know, she had her army trousers on, a little top and trainers. Looked really, really cool. Was like, it in the just... All Saints era? Of, uh... Uh, well, it would have been 2003, so not oh, that far off. Not that really. far off. Um, actually, definitely around that point, because I was I yeah. was wearing my combats and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I can just remember seeing her and thinking, I think you will be my best mate, and I think we're going to really get on. Um, and but it took us a term to actually talk because we were putting different shows and different. Yeah. So it took a while. But she. I like this. Like like we don't often talk about female friendships or any friendships like this, but in this case, female friendships. Like when you lose a friendship, it is like breaking up with a yeah. partner. And actually the sort of desire that, you know, you hear that a lot. I saw you across the room and I knew mm. I was going to marry you. Whether that's true or not, who knows, but <laughs> that's what people say. Um, but like, actually that is like, I really want to be mates with you. Like, yeah, that's just, it's the same love feeling. I think that you have with your friends that you have with romantic partners. Absolutely. Because you, you're bringing them into your life. And I think yeah. everyone brings things with them. Um, and Katie has just been there solidly over the years. And, um, and I think the brilliant thing that she has is a quality to listen. You know how some friends that you go to and they just, they want to give you advice. They want to fix it. They want to, um, they want to make it all better. And I think Katie realizes that actually you can't do that. And sometimes your role is to just hold your hand and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has done that multiple times throughout our 19 year friendship. And um, yeah, she she's just one of a kind, to be honest. Um, yeah, we've been through so many ups and downs together. And um, so I, I just think she is the, the, she's just such a wonderful human. Um, she's non-judgmental, she's caring, she's giving. Um, so she moved um, last year because her husband is working up north, so she's gone to Southport, um, which is the furthest away we've been from each other for a long, time. It's one long of those time. places like Southport definitely sounds like it should be in the south, but it's But it's not. definitely not. It's, it's like higher Northampton's than Liverpool. in the south, and I'm like that. <laughs> what is this? is confusing. <laughs> it's above Liverpool. It is. Um, so it's miles away. I think it's like over 170 miles from me. But just seeing her name pop up, is the best feeling ever and um yeah she's she's just an absolutely great human who gives her all to everyone in her life what does she do now katie well she was a teacher down here Mm -hmm. um but then now she's uh she's up north she is upcycling furniture and being a little creative genius can i just say that sounds like it usually goes the other way around i know north people have a normal practical (laughs) public sector job and down south people upcycle furniture (laughs) you turn that on its head I mean, I'm from the middle, so I can be judgmental about both ends of the, the spectrum. Um, I like that she's subverted the norm yeah. uh, of people in the South recycling things. Well, she she is actually Mancunian. So she actually was born in Manchester, then moved across to Wales, um, then came down to London for drama school and has now moved uh, up north again. Um, so, you know, she's probably... Got, yeah, I mean, yes, upcycling furniture is, is where she's gone. She just... I think her idea of happiness now is upcycling furniture, looking after Jeffrey, her dog, going for big walks and just, you know, enjoying life a little bit. Have you ever like had moments in your friendship where you thought you were going to you were going completely separate ways and your life was completely different to hers? Does she have children? No, she doesn't. And yeah, she doesn't so, want children either. Yeah, no, she's... My, my, my best friend Jane, she doesn't want children. And yeah. literally I... I I want to kiss her face for making that decision. Like, I really want to be like, she goes on holiday to Jamaica all the time. <laughs> I do not go on holiday to Jamaica. And, like, she genuinely made a choice. And I just, I all power to her elbow. I just, I feel really proud of her, like, choosing that. But, and I, it's never particularly caused a strain, but I have heard, it, you know, when people have children, yeah, sometimes yeah, they yeah. go off in a different direction to their friends. No, yeah, no, not at all. I think... You know, we've never been friends who go out clubbing all the time or, you know, places that kids aren't allowed or anything like that. Um, You know, for her wedding, she uh, had a a gorgeous wedding um, in uh, Somerset. Uh, Everyone was sleeping in tents. 
And she said, you know, kids are more than welcome. She is literally, at any party, the kids just are drawn to her. She's just a magnet. She's amazing. Um, she just radiates this warmth. And for her wedding, she was like, all the kids are welcome. But it was us who went, no. No, yeah. <laughs> Tell me I can't bring them. <laughs> and they didn't come and we had the best time ever. Um, but no, it's never caused a, a, a thing. And I, I think what's interesting is, is that when someone you love, who you know is amazing with children, says... I'm not going to have a child. Part of you goes, oh, but you'd be brilliant. And then the other half of you goes, yeah, like you said, like, amazing. Well done. You know, you don't have to. Good choice. Yeah. And and I think, you know, we're moving away from thinking that there's life happens in these stages. And if you don't complete these stages, you've not succeeded. That's not true at all. I think, um, you know, we all can do whatever we want in our lives and having children is a choice and should be treated as such. Yeah, I I, I think it's it's genuinely like a lifestyle choice that... Uh, and, and you know it's sacred and beautiful and all of those mm. nice things but I think actually that puts more pressure on the women who do it um, as well as the women who don't that idea of it being a sacred um, uh, gift but yeah I, I, I and my friend Jane has never for one second regretted it never for like you know she doesn't have like sudden pangs or like that's just like the way that women have been written rather than how they actually are. She Mm -hmm. made a choice. She lived with her choice. She loves her choice. She's happy. She doesn't hate our children. And like you say, like, she's way better with our kids than we are. (laughs) But that's because, like, you know, she doesn't have to deal with them all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. She doesn't have to watch endless hours of films she didn't want to watch. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) No wonder she's cheerful to see them. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Actually, yeah. and Katie's coming down this weekend and I cannot wait. Yeah. Her and husband are coming to stay with Jeffrey. The kids are very, very excited. Oh, um, that is lovely. It's, I actually think you get closer to your friends when they live far away. Like, you make more of an effort when they're around. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think that it doesn't affect a really really good and close friendship if you don't live close together with each other um no i don't think so and i think you know there's obviously been times throughout the years where we've maybe not spoken as much but i think you know i've got a few friendships that as soon as you are in touch again everything just slots into place because you just realize it doesn't mean anything if you're not talking it just means life's getting in the way if you need me call me yeah just busy Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's not, I don't hate you. This no. is like the world of, uh, like, Twitter, though, isn't it? That if you don't have an opinion on something, it must, like, you know, if you didn't say anything about, you know, Russia, that must mean you're on Putin's side. It's like, no, no. <laughs> the absence of a thing does not imbue bad faith in that thing, but that we've come to that sort of ridiculous, well, if you don't think this, then that means you hate all gay people. It's like, well, hang on a minute. (laughs) I I I didn't do anything or say anything. And suddenly you're telling me that this is the way. And that's the way with not seeing your friends. You just don't see them because you're all busy. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Nothing more. So how would you sign off a letter to Katie? Lovely Katie. I would say, thank you for always giving me a hand to hold. The second person is the person who is no longer here. So who would that be? That would be my nonna, so my dad's mum, uh, my Italian So she nan. was Italian, I, tell, yes. I can tell from your nonna. <laughs> yes, she was. And she always lived in Italy. And the interesting thing about my nonna is that she only spoke Italian um, and we only spoke English. We knew a few words in Italian and that was it. Uh, and she would repeat... Well, either she she knew a couple of phrases like "shut up" or "give me a kiss," um, and then we would uh, and then we would get her to repeat sentences that we were saying, which she would find funny until we started laughing, and then she'd just say "afangul," which basically means <laughs> "get lost," but in a prettier version. Um, and uh, and she was just the most brilliant woman, constantly shouting. You constantly thought you were in trouble. But it just turns out that, especially in that village, so where my dad grew up, um, there was a huge earthquake over 40 years ago. Uh, and as a result, people, the, all the village, all the village, the whole village were put in these, um, it was temporary accommodation mm-hmm. that was made to last a while. Uh, so the base was this concrete uh, block. Uh, and then on top of that was this wooden chalet, if you like. 
Mm-hmm. So they'd spend the summer downstairs when it was really, really hot, and then in the winter they'd go upstairs where they could have a fire and stuff. Um, and uh, and because these houses were really close to each other, obviously all the women they'd just they'd open windows and they'd just shout at each other the whole time, you know. So that I think that's part of why um, for us the the Italian culture is so loud yeah. is because that's how my nonna's village that's yeah. how they were, you know. Valva um, that it just kind of grew in that way, um, but. I think my my nonna was the most resilient, powerful, strongest woman that I've ever come across. Like even as a kid, I I can have I have clear visions of her. You know, you know when you're you're doing a fire and you need to turn a log, she wouldn't get a little tool out. She'd just stick her hand in. You know, turn that. You know, she you know she had hands of steel. I can remember her uh, the one thing that she um was she used to make us, which was absolutely divine, was chili mash. Um, uh, and she would boil chili mash, chili mash, which is essentially mashed potato uh, with, um, and you fry uh, chili in oil, and mm-hmm. so instead of butter and stuff, you put the, and it's salty and gorgeous. Uh, but uh, to do Sounds the potatoes, good. she would um, boil them whole, uh, so the skin on, uh, and then afterwards you peel it when it's still absolutely freaking boiling, like literally, it's like. Hot potato. <laughs> That's literally yeah, a thing. Hot potato. Yeah. And you'd you'd be like, <laughs> and she'd just be there peacefully, just taking <laughs> off this skin, telling us all to you know get on with it. Um, but she, yeah, she just was the strongest woman. And I, you know, even in her, it would have been late seventies, early eighties. You know, she would go up to the mountains where we would um, go for fresh water because of the earthquake. They only had water short amounts of the time. I think they'd have it for an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. And your drinking water was, uh, they used to go to the fountain for that, uh, to wash their clothes and go up to the fountain. Wow. And uh, and I still have visions of her, you know, carrying, um, you know, a bucket either side with another massive bucket on her head, like walking down this mountain, you know. Um, you know, she was the most... Well, she was just strong, you know, did, and... Did she ever come over and live here or did she... She never lived live? here, no. She she used to come for short trips. As she got older, she came to stay with my dad for a while and she just used to love, you know, sitting in his lounge and watching people go past. But, you know, she she didn't speak English, so there was yeah. a bit of a... And also, you know, in Italy, you have that thing where in a village you're growing something on in your garden and someone else is growing something, something else or they've else, got yeah. chickens so they there's that community feel where everyone's kind of going into each other's houses and trading these these goods yeah. and stuff so i think you know everyone knew her in valva so being there that that's home you know yeah. um, whereas here but all of her children were here and um some summers we'd go there and we'd just turn up and surprise her uh, which was always amazing, just turning up at a door. But leaving was awful because yeah. you just never knew when, you know, she never knew when we'd be back or, you know, so that was always really, really hard. But she passed away almost five years ago now at 96. Wow, um, good innings. Yeah, really good innings. Um, and she was fiercely independent um, and just a woman to completely look up to and admire, you know, when I think about role models, she's mm. it, you know. Mm. I don't she need someone who, tough, yeah, yeah, you know, stick hair up in a ponytail and get on with your day, you know. <laughs> and I need to, you know, um, you know. Do you her... speak Italian now? No, I've gone through various stages. You know how you were saying you've tried one film three times. Yeah, I've gone through various stages of trying to to speak it and trying to learn it as kids. I think if it was my mum who was Italian, it would be different. But mum was from Essex and um, (laughs) (laughs) slightly different. Similar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) They did not walk up a mountain to a well in Essex. (laughs) No, no. And uh, and so, I mean, mum actually really did learn Italian. She used to have all the tapes where, you know, so just when she went over there, she didn't feel like, because dad was having to translate everything. But I think for us kids... We'd always have each other. There were three of us. Yeah. When we did, when they did send us to, you know, to Italian school, to a lady's house to try and learn it, one, like, my sister would get it all right because she's older. Me and Mario would just be kicking each other under the table. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then when we were over there, we had each other to talk to. I did get serious about learning it 
when I was about 18, 19. And then my dad laughed at the accent that I was putting on <laughs> as I was talking. It, I imagine it's, someone, it's like someone learning English and either talking RP or talking an Essex yeah. accent with a slight twang. Yeah. So that put me off it a little bit because I thought I must sound like a right plonker. But also we've got dad there to translate, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame you didn't raise you bilingually, isn't it? My my nephews are half French, half Birmingham, and they what we call frummy because that uh, <laughs> they speak they speak English with a French and Birmingham accent. Somehow. Wow, it's brilliant. I mean, it's I find it spectacularly cute. But <laughs> but like you know, I just think it's a superpower being able I to know. speak more. And obviously, I I live in an area and represent an area where almost half the population can speak more than one language, yeah. and that I just. It's like magic to me when people I think there people is... are having a conversation with me and then they'll turn and start having a conversation in a different language and I just think, oh, you're so clever. I ask my dad all the time, what language do you think in? Yeah, like, or do you like dream in? in your head, yes. Yeah. What language is that? Yeah. And he just doesn't, he can't comprehend quite what I'm asking him. I'm yeah, like, because I think speak... that when you don't speak two languages, you you think that you you think in translation so you go i've heard this and in my head i've translated it into some people don't have an inner monologue though you know that some people don't have any inner monologue so maybe he doesn't have like an inner monologue uh my husband doesn't have a mind's eye which i think is unbelievable like he can't like close his eyes and and see something Wow. In front of him, or not even close his eyes. Like, if I say red ball, I can see a red ball. Like, he can't do that. I only found this out about a week ago. It's been a revelation <laughs> to me. And frankly, I'm thinking of divorce. But you're still together? <laughs> yeah, we're just, just about. I'm like that. I keep just saying objects to him, and he's like, still can't see it. I'm like, what? <laughs> well, going back to morbid stuff, <laughs> where if something happens to you, he won't be able to close his eyes and visualise yeah. you. No, he won't. But he's like... Like, I know what you look like. Like, I know I can... Like, you say our bedroom. I know what it looks like. Like, I'm aware of what it looks like. I just can't see an image of it. I'm like, what? You're broken. Um, Anyway, but my my brother... Like, so we think of it in those terms. So my brother is completely bilingual, lives in France. And he says, like, the first time you knew he was truly bilingual is he'd started to dream in French. Wow. Um, but he said, it, you think of it in terms of I'm stopping and processing it um, and I'm thinking what she said in English is this and this is how to try He said, it's not like that. It's much more cognitive. Like, so I think in French and English. So at some answer. point when you're learning and when you're talking it, it will yeah. suddenly just become... Suddenly it's just one day it is your skin. Like, yeah. I think, but that's but also why kids pick it up magic. young. It's different. It is that. Thing oh, it's that you a, don't completely have to, different for yeah. children. It complete like the babies. It's, uh, my dad um, specialised in, funnily enough, in, in teaching English to children. Uh, he taught in uh, inner city Birmingham throughout the nineteen sixties and seventies. Um, so he he can speak some Punjabi um, and Urdu. And um, he specialised in teaching children who English wasn't their first language, um, the Windrush kids, etc. And um, yeah, like he said, he told me a thing about how babies, like three-year-olds, they learn something like 78 words a day, which doesn't seem like even that many. But if I tell you a new word now, <laughs> tomorrow you will have forgotten it. Yeah. You won't remember what the word was. You'll go like this. What, what was it? Um... Oh, I can't remember. Whereas babies are learning something like 72 words a day or something. Some some figure like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, yeah, so, you know, you can bombard them with a foreign language. Yeah. Well, that, but they say that children who are, are bilingual will take longer, usually take longer to yeah. speak. Because yeah, they're yeah, yeah. just processing it all. My nephews didn't speak um, for much, much slower. They spoke much slower than my children. Uh, but then they could speak in two languages. So they then... Pissed all over them. I wonder how many health visitors or teachers would at that point go think about yeah. only speaking one, you know, and yeah, worrying yeah. the parent, whereas actually it's just their brain. They'll get there. Yeah, they'll get there. They will get there, especially in a place like Birmingham or yeah. London, like where there must be loads of kids being brought up with both yeah. languages. Um, it's The ability to write and read it is a different thing. Lots of people yeah. can speak it, but they don't necessarily... It's not like school learning. It's a different thing. Mother tongue yeah. and language is a different thing. But how lovely that you felt that close to your nan when you couldn't even I know. speak to her. I know. It's funny, isn't it? There was just Very this... Funny. 
gorgeous. Like, she was just a phenomenal woman. And, and, you know, we say about her being strong and powerful and shouting, but she was, you know, everyone completely loved her. You know, her sons were so devoted, my my auntie, you know. Um, and she just, she was, the, she was the centre of the family. What was her um, name? Uh, she was Carmela. Carmela, oh my yeah. god, it's literally like the Sopranos. <laughs> uh, that is the wife of the, in but the you Sopranos. Know, my, my, my nonna and my granddad weren't together. They had four kids together. He had four kids with his wife, and they overlapped. And um, you know, and even in his eighties, so when we would go and visit, he would be spending one night with my nonna and one night with his wife, and they all knew about it. And you know, and, and that I is think... literally though, no, it's gone from being <laughs> the Sopranos to being a Woody Allen film. <laughs> Um, no, but she was, you know, she brought up four kids and uh, on her own in in a village where people probably gossiped and talked, yeah. and, and she and she lived her life, and she wasn't, um, you know, bashful about that. You know, she was uh, she was a devoted mother who did her best to to bring up her kids God, in a really Catholic country. As yeah, well. yeah. Good for your nonna. Good for Carmela. Yeah, what a woman. but she also had this gorgeous softness within her as well. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, she, and I'm talking about religion. She would watch mass when she could no longer walk to church. Yeah. She would watch mass on TV every single day. Oh, those Italians, they yeah, do love a bit know. of mass. Well, they love it, you know. So <laughs> she was completely devoted. And I think she just fell in love with someone who, um, you know, she couldn't, you know, do all the religious stuff with. But uh, in that sense, but she loved him and they could make, make babies together and they could be companions. <laughs> like <laughs> Perfect. Mm. I mean, I live separately from my husband. Do you? Yeah, well, I live in London half the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be honest, I think it's the sick. My favourite night of the week is the first night I'm back with him, and my second favourite is the first night I'm away. (laughs) I like it. I like having a separate life to him, and he likes it similarly. I mean, he gets stuck with the kids when I'm off. <laughs> um, but they're old now; they don't. But care. does that mean that you get to be the reasonable parent because you're? Oh, you totally! Know, I'm like I'm. I, well, yeah, I'm like the divorced dad taking you bowling <laughs> at the weekend. I'm like, what fun thing should we do? Let's go to the cinema. Whereas he's like, have you done your maths homework? I'm totally like that dad who takes the kids to McDonald's, like like the eight, 1980s version of a divorced dad. That is me totally. And also, it's like waged with terrible guilt about being a woman who's left her children. So yeah. I'm, I lay it on so thick my kids can have anything I'm a total pushover and my husband that's the thing he doesn't like about it that's the thing he, he, he's yeah. like that when he stops spoiling the kids uh, oh yeah I'm dreadful with that dreadful dreadful uh, yeah totally divorced dad sitting on a park bench eating a McDonald's while the kids play on the swings love it um, there's no one way to be a parent is there no <laughs> thank god whatever works for you yeah um, so how would you sign off a letter to Carmela I would say you show me what a woman is capable of and that strength means more than muscle. We'll be back for Giovanna's final letter after a short break. Ever yearned for the perfect pub to reveal itself from some unexpected alley? Well, The Moon Underwater is the podcast for you. Join me, John Robbins, and the lovely Robin Allender Hi. as we help a special guest create their dream pub. From the drinks behind the bar to the music on the jukebox, The Moon Underwater is whatever you want it to be. So, if you would like to join us in Desire's beating heart, search The Moon Underwater. Or maybe The Moon Underwater will search for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So the final letter would be to somebody who doesn't know the effect they've had on your life. So who would that be to? I um, thought about this one a lot because I could have picked several people from um, Sylvia Young. So I went to theatre school, it's where I met Tom. Uh, and obviously that experience in itself completely shaped my life. I'm married to someone I met at 13. And if I didn't go there, that wouldn't have been the case. Um, so I could have chosen Sylvia. So you met him at 13? Yeah, we haven't been together since we were 13. But I, we I've known my have... husband since I was 12. No! Yeah, 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 yeah. We weren't together either. No, no, no. Like, no, no, yeah, so no, we had no. our first snog at 13, then had oh, a couple of years of... I thought he was a knob. <laughs> like, he, he was, like, blowing little bits of Rizzler that had been screwed up in a, in a uh, like, you know, and, like, blowing them, like, darts. Oh, really? Blow darts at me. It was on the day that the first ever episode of Friends aired. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember it that vividly. That's so cool. Uh, well, Tom realised on our first day of meeting that if you mixed the words around in my name, the letters around in my name, that you could spell vagina. <laughs> that is a man to marry. I'm not even joking when I say that. <laughs> that is the kind of thing that would make me want to marry a person. <laughs> that would oh, sell a person yeah. to me. 100%. 100%. <laughs> So I could have chosen Sylvia. I could have chosen Mr. Mack, who is, uh, who was our English teacher. He was the most amazing man in terms of how he taught because uh, everything was really exciting. And, you know, if, if a lesson, well, not even if a lesson was um, lacklustre, he would literally, mid telling us something, he'd jump up on the table and, um, oh, you've paused on me. Why have you paused? Oh, no, I think you're I still there. Um, <laughs> he would jump up and, you know, everything was really exciting. Uh, but actually, I'm going to go for a third person at Sylvia's, and that is a man called Ray Lamb, um, who was our music and singing teacher. Um, and um, he, so he did music theory, but also um, in year 11, uh, we started doing GCSE music and he took over that as well, which was slightly different, and then uh, singing. And he was extraordinary in how he approached teaching uh first off we called him ray it wasn't mr lamb um and he taught us like we were adults so we spoke to it doesn't it didn't matter if you were in year five or six or year 11 you were an adult you were a human and he would talk to you as such um he swore uh you know he uh i can remember like lessons that he'd give us everything felt like it was philosophical in a way and you know he'd say things like you know when we were doing a music test if you cheat i don't care because you're only cheating yourself so you've got to live with that i don't it's not means nothing to me i don't care what you get but if you cheat you know and you're gonna have to you know and just little i would things be like, like ray i'm gonna cheat <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll level with you let ray i'm a cheater <laughs> It's just really fascinating, isn't it? And I think teachers often have such a large input in who we become as adults, you know, and you get a good teacher and that changes someone's path, you know. Also, what a solid job it is, one realised after lockdown. Like, also, anyone who's ever tried to teach a small child to read will know (laughs) that it is... I I was literally like, somebody else is going to have to do this. I haven't got the patience. (laughs) Like, what the hell is wrong with you we've been over this uh like a million times like it's the word i it's just one letter like Mm -hmm. just just read it um (laughs) and like you know like like it's a genuine skill yeah to get people to be interested in something engage with something that they might hate and be rubbish at and you still persist with them that's a miracle is what that is but also i guess it's kind of like parenting like every teacher finds their own method. Yeah. You know, and um and there was something about Ray that really just 
shone through because really he was, in many ways, I'd, I'd say that he was laid back, but he wasn't at all. Not at all. He was, there was an intensity about him and the way that he, he taught, you know, I remember at one point, I think we were in year 10 or 11, or 11 and he built um, a studio, like a, um, a, a recording studio in the school. And he was there solidly, like all the time. He had four kids at home, but he was always in this studio creating stuff, whether it was for different choirs that we were doing or mega mixes, or when we started doing GCSE, he was always, GCSE music, he was always there helping people put their work together and their compositions and stuff. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think, yeah, I think for me, he was the first adult to treat us kids as adults and our, our opinion mattered. And um, yeah, he was just... Com- he was just a solid man and I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know if he, I'd like to think that he does know the effect that he's had yeah, on all of us. I was going to say, do you think that he knows? I mean, obviously he gets up in the morning and he hopes to have an effect, even if it's not conscience. Mm. Like, you know, you would hope that you'd help some kids out and it's lovely to hear when you have, like, but like, it's not a conscious thing when it's just your day job, you're just doing it. Like, you know, that's, yeah. like, I don't get up in the morning and think oh, I'm going to go and save the world. And yet some people will be like, oh, I really feel like you, that's what you're doing. And it's like, oh, God, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, but yeah. I do care that, like, you know, I do think about people you've helped. Or, like, yeah. Think you think about it, like. But it's so little I, things like, you know, he instilled a work ethic in so many of us. Like me and Tom, I, I believe that we're doing what we're doing because we went to Sylvia's and I think mm. Ray is a huge part of that. You know, you, 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 you stay focused and you get the work done and, um, you know, uh, like the cheating thing, it's, it's all about putting your best self forward. And yes, you're going to make mistakes because life is like yeah, that. You won't be perfect. perfect. Mm. But you keep going and you persevere. Um, so, yeah, I... Is he still alive, Ray? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Send him. Yes. Tell him how much she means to you. Also, you don't get many rays. My best friend Jess, her, her kid is called Ray. Oh. And I was like, that, that's weird that you've got a son called Ray who's five. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah. And now I've just said there's a man called Ray. Yeah. My, my niece is Summer Ray. Oh, yeah. That's very nice. cute. That yeah. is cute. Um, but you don't get many baby Rays. No. No. Or baby Allens. There aren't that many Raymonds in the Baby world Simons. anymore. No, they're, they're a dying but there'll room. be a time when there are. Yeah, because, well, my you know, friend Jess is like hoping Albert. to bring it back with her son. <laughs> well, yeah, but names like Albert and stuff, you know, all those sort of World yeah. War names, they're all back. They are. Yeah, yeah like so Wilf. Ma- and yeah, so at some point, the 80s names. The 80s names. You're going to get loads of Garys. <laughs> I've not met a baby Gary for some time. It's about time, Jess. It's about yeah. time. Keith, Gary. What the names of the, the Stuart kids in your class at school? All girls in my class were called Jess or Amy. Like, really? Like, we had no Rachel. My name is really common. Oh. You don't get many, you know, people with your name. No. Giovanna. No. There weren't many of them. No. I mean, I mean, in Italy, you're ten a penny. It's like being called Jane. <laughs> well, our surname was Falcone. And oh. everyone over there... I was going to say that is quite a common one, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's from a gangster film as well. <laughs> well, no, because he was the main judge against the mafia. That's right, Falcone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But are they, is that like Smith? Yeah, pretty much. And, and so is Mario. I can remember being in Valva and there being five men stood around, my brother and my dad included, and all five of them were called Mario Falcone. <laughs> so funny. I mean, that's, that's a good excuse to open someone's post, isn't it? <laughs> Exactly. Did my name on it. Tell <laughs> <laughs> so Mario to get round the houses and be opening people's post. <laughs> so how would you sign off a letter to Ray? Um, I would say, um, I've never cheated in a test because of you. <laughs> Love Giovanna. <laughs> Ray should have taught me. Um... <laughs> All of your choices sound, you know, they're brilliant, solid people. It's been and really then, fun thinking about them. Well, they're really the them. people who get credited and put yeah. on pedestals. The the people who are just there for the everyday of your life are the, really the people who get credited um, mm. enough. Uh, and it's always nice to celebrate them. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been a total pleasure. Thank you. I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. 
If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.